mass chaos for people. It'll be unexplainable, and I can't go into what that looks like or what that is because I, I don't, it's hard to comprehend what that looks like. But I know what the word says from Isaiah chapter number 13. And I want to think and talk about this morning God's wrath on the human way. Man has been given the opportunity to make this world into whatever man has wanted to in many different forms or many different fashions. In different ways, man has been the power on the earth as far as, of course, with a lot of <laughs> influence and direction from Satan. Man has been given the ability to create what he wants, build what he wants, and we see that through kingdoms, and we know that God, of course, and you'll have to bear with me today, I'm switching glasses back and forth. I've got one pair of glasses that I can see my Bible with, and one pair of glasses I can see you with, so just bear with me. But we know that, that God, in his, uh, in his knowledge, he allows kings and kingdoms to rise and fall. And we know that the bad kingdoms that rise in the world, they're, you know, God allows that. That's part of uh, something that he, op he allows to happen. And I don't understand why. I don't know why. I believe roots back to sin. But we know that what's happening has been just this, for thousands and thousands of years, this just indulgence in whatever man wants to do. Society's always been wicked. Society's always been evil. And we know that there's a coming time that it will be ended and it will, God will, will show the world who, who's king. And even as we've read this morning, when he finally just, and, and to think about that, the, the, the fact that God would come back and all these people that have done Christian people wrong and all these people, it's, it's hard not to get uh, almost swollen up in the fact that, oh, well, God's going to show them. But I realize that it's the greatest thing about the return of Christ and the reunification of his children with Jesus and our eternal home in heaven, the most beautiful thing about that is what we're actually being saved from. We're being saved from eternal damnation. We're being saved from, from a, a burning hot hell. We're being saved from having to live the true trials and tribulations upon this earth. And we're being uh, pulled out of that situation but those that will not will face wrath. This world, this all that man has built up, all that man has achieved will not be exempt from the judgment of God. And I can't go very great, uh, very in depth in all kinds of different little details and nuances of this, but I know what the Word says. And we'll look here in Isaiah 13, beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says, The burden of Babylon, which Isaiah the son of Amos did see, Lift ye up a banner upon the high mountain, exalt the voice unto them, shake the hand, that they may go into the gates of the nobles. I have commanded my sanctified ones, I have also called my mighty ones for mine anger, even them that rejoice in my highness. The noise of a multitude in the mountains, like as of a great people, a tumultuous noise of the kingdoms of nations gathered together, the Lord of hosts mustereth the host of the battle. They come, they come from a far country, from the end of heaven, even the Lord and the weapons of his indignation to destroy the whole land. Now we know this is referring to the, uh, the spiritual 
Babylon, which is the Gentile nations, that what man has set up, what man has established, what man has built over the thousands of years since uh, we've, we've been given the free reign to do what, what we want to do on the earth. And we know as Christians, when we're saved, we're separating ourselves from that. We are standing aside. We may, we may fall under a certain flag. We may fall under a nationality, under a country, under this or that or whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, uh, that's all some people have. Lost people, they, the only thing they have would be to be a, a, an American or a British or whatever it is, whatever society they're part of. A lost person, they're identified with those Gentile nations and that's it. With us, although we do fall under a certain flag and we fall under a certain uh, nationality or whatever it may be, we know that through Christ we're separated from what is established on this earth. And we know that for eternity we will forever be identified and with him um, as his children and under his rule and under his reign. But those that will not ever accept him, those that will not ever choose to turn away, will only ever be identified by what has been built up on this earth. And you think about the last, at least, uh, we, we mentioned uh, World War II and how after, that, after World War II, the way the world has changed. And you've seen over the years the way technology has moved in, the way uh, different things have moved in, the way world uh, life has gotten easier for people and things have gotten better for people and you've got uh, more of this and more of that and you've got more money money and more insurance and more of this and more of that and we've got all these things and we're building up all that we have and uh, even the poorest people in our country uh, have more uh, than than most than some rich people in other countries um, you think about a third world country our poorest people live better than some of the wealthier people people in third world countries and we see all this being built up and we see that there's this constant pursuit to grow and just have as much as we can and do as much as we can and we know that there's a time that is on his way where God is going to send his son Jesus to come back and he is going to return and he's going to get his, his way and he's going to get his vengeance and he's going to set his kingdom up and the world will see and recognize that the choice, choices that they made, the directions that they have went were not of God but rather of their own lust and their own flesh. In Revelation 19, verse 11 says, And I saw a heaven, I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Now I want us to first think about in God's wrath on the human way. We know this is all coming to an end. We know all that man has, has achieved and done is coming to an end and God is going to destroy what man has built and what Satan has uh to, uh, may I guess push men to want to build and through uh, sin and temptations and God is going to eventually tear down and take down everything man has established and look at his angry arsenal that he uses we see there where um, it, it, it's to think about the the armies of God and and to imagine the greatness of God's armies but over in Isaiah you see very clearly uh, in verse number uh, uh, verse number five, it says, and uh, it says they, well, verse number four first, the noise of a multitude in the mountains like as of a great people, a tumultuous noise of the kingdoms of nations gathered together, and the Lord of hosts mustereth the host of the battle. 
They come from a far country, from the end of heaven, even the Lord, and the weapons of his indignation to destroy the whole land. God has an arsenal. God has an arsenal stashed away that we can't understand. He has powers to do things, as we are even reading in our study, uh, in our Sunday school lesson. He has powers to do things that our minds can't comprehend. If we could only see the power of God, and especially in the Old Testament days, you'll find the power of God in different ways. He could make a donkey. He would use through make a donkey speak, or how he would uh, set a pillar of fire in the sky, or he would strike water from a rock. The way God would move that was one thing when you were out there wandering through the desert you might have got a little crazy you might got a little wild but when you saw that happen it's it was a sobering thing to see the true mighty power of God and there's not a weapon upon this earth that could stop God's arsenal there's not a weapon uh, system on, on this earth that could stop God's God's power and you think about even in our country we spend a lot of money on our military to try to protect our nation and I think we should uh, I believe we've got the mightiest, mightiest military upon uh, the earth, with the exception to probably Israel. They've, they've, uh, it's amazing what that little country has cr- can create. But our country, if, if someone were to shoot a nuclear missile towards us right now, we have got so much anti-air weaponry that we could most likely shoot the, the nuclear missile out of the air. A lot of these other countries don't even have the power to get. Uh, take North Korea; they love nuclear missiles, but they don't have the power to get one over than a, over a few miles. Uh, it's amazing to think of the the might and the power of our nation's military. And uh, I mentioned Israel, and you think about. Uh, I've heard a story of somebody telling about on their visit to Israel and how that there was a landing strip. They were watching these jets fly in, and they were landing out in the desert, and there wasn't a base out anywhere. They're like, "What in the world? They're just landing out in the desert." And they, they had some kind of secret military facility that allowed them to land um, out in the desert, and, and the base was actually underground. They would park the, their jets underground, and that was some, something somebody uh, that I knew had went to Israel, had saw and witnessed and asked about. And to think that all that man can build up, the way that, that our, our mighty weapons we can create, and how that, that honestly there's not probably a lot of countries on this earth that could stand against our nation and our military might. And there's certainly not uh, many, uh, there's not any countries that could stand against Israel's military might. But, but to understand the, mul- the multitude of God's arsenal, it is, it is beyond what we can understand. He doesn't have to have weapons. He doesn't have to have bullets. He doesn't have to have nuclear missiles. He doesn't have to have anything of that nature. Nature. He, in, in the, his, his position as the creator of this earth that we walk on, the earth that we live on, he has an arsenal that is angry against sin, it's angry against what man has created, and when he comes back in his indignation, he will destroy the entire land. He will take away every bit of substance. He will use his weapons and his power to destroy every, as we've studied and as we've seen the water, you see the water gets taken away. You see all the other plagues that come up. That This earth won't even be worth living on once he begins to rain his wrath upon it. And that's the purpose is because he is his in his arsenal, in his power, in his weaponry, what he has, he's using that against mankind for their sin against him, what they've done against him. And we, we spend so much time trying to keep ourselves safe and trying to build up what we have and trying to protect ourselves and trying to 
be there for ourselves and, and make sure that we can rely on, on our country or rely upon our own protection, whatever it may be. I'm guilty of that. We're all probably guilty of that, of trying to keep ourselves safe first. But we, under, we, we sometimes forget that God has the power beyond what we can comprehend to take away every bit. You can have a, a gun on you. You can wear a bulletproof vest. You can do anything, but God could strike you dead without even... I mean, he, can, he has the power to do that without even sending somebody to do it for him. We have to understand that when God's wrath is rained on the human way, he is using a weaponry that we can't even understand. It's beyond our comprehension. And this burden of Babylon, that burden, the, Babel, uh, the Babylon means Babel, which in Hebrew it means Babel, which translates back to confusion. Babylon, that spiritual Babylon, what we see the Gentile nations in the end, it's confusion. It's just all we see right now going on in our nation. It's just confusion. It's, it's the, the devil has gotten in and, and made people think certain things and chase certain things and, and look at something a certain way. And it's just spreading out. One person thinks this and they post it on Facebook and they get 10,000 people to like it and those 10,000 people share it and then another 10,000 people see it and then you go on and go on and go on and then 100,000 people have seen it and they're all confused. And what people are trying to do is they're trying to answer the questions to the world's problems that God has already answered with their own understanding. God hates that. And God is going to destroy that. And he is going to come in his indignation and with his weapons and with his powers that we can't understand to destroy the whole world. He goes on to verse number 6. It says, How ye, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. Therefore shall all hands be faint, and every man's heart shall melt. We see an angry arsenal from God, but think about this abrupt annihilation. You find that even the mighty, powerful men, this is the thing about the, vengeance, about the judgment of God. No man, regardless of status, class, whatever it may be, is subject to it. He can't get out of it. It is only... Excuse me. Only through salvation that you are able to avoid the the true, just judgment of God. God is going to judge and destroy. Without, without care to well, I've got this much money in my bank account, so I, I can offer that. See, and and what, that's what we, God doesn't care about that. Well, I own this much land, and God doesn't care about that. Well, I've got all the all this stuff that I can do. God doesn't care about that. Well, I'm this. I, I was the president of this, or I own this company. I did. God doesn't care about that. And you have people from from rich to poor that are swollen up in their pride, and even people that you know maybe they don't have they don't have anything, but they're swollen up still in their pride. And and you've got all kinds of different aspects of the way people are swollen up in themselves, and they think that. They think much of themselves and, and understanding that they think that something they have they can offer to God one day to barter their way into heaven. Well, I lived a life that, you know, I didn't treat anybody bad. You can live a life and not treat anybody bad but not accept Christ and still die and go to hell. So therefore, when the judgment of God comes, if you're still standing upon this earth, it's going to come to you just like it will anyone else. He doesn't care. 
He doesn't care because the things of this earth, the money, the, the mindset, the, the society that we've built, all the technology we've got, that's all been stuff that man has done. And what man has done is not enough to make God stand, step back on what he says. It's not enough to make God back away from his word. When he says that he's going to do something, he's going to do it. And there's not anything man can do to try to barter with him. There's not anything man can do that, can try to, uh, that, that they could try to offer to him. And the devil is out here and he is spreading this confusion in the minds of men and he is causing this confusion in, 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 in the hearts of people. And, and right now we see this battle and this attack on the young people. That's what Shelby and I were talking about on our way over this morning is that the, the you know in general, a lot of people, we probably are, are more along in our mindset along the lines with a lot of people probably of an older uh, generation if you take the, the the older group of folks. But what's so dangerous is, you know, that can hang on for a little while longer. That can make it just a little bit longer in our country. But we see that this attack on these children to get in their minds this ungodliness of, of well, you know, if you just do this, you'll, you'll be successful in your life. If you'll just focus on this, if you'll think this way, if you'll be a part of this movement or whatever, you'll be successful in your life. And this generation that's coming up, they're going to come up and it's going to hit them like a ton of bricks when those hailstones start to fall from the sky and things start to burn and people start to disappear because God's authoritative or abrupt annihilation is something that is unavoidable if you're not a child of God, if you don't believe. And what we see is this great turning away and we know that it's been it's on its way. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. We're getting closer to it to the point where we can almost taste the, the, the time that Christ is going to return and take us out of here. But when he comes, think about what he is saving us from. Think about what he's getting us out of. And it's so sad that there's a generation that's coming up that, that doesn't even know, hasn't even heard, hasn't even had that opportunity because they've had so much other mess pushed and put in their mind and put in their, their, their thought process. And they think of things completely differently the way anybody else should. It's all about how I feel. It's all about what I think. And that's the thing. When God comes back, if you're not, uh, when you stand before God, if you're not his child, he doesn't care what you think. He doesn't care how you feel. That stuff doesn't matter. It's only about the blood of Christ. And that's why we see there when we look in Revelation, you see that vesture that he's that he's wrapped in. What is it? It's dipped in blood, and it's the blood of Christ that it's that it's dipped in. And I'm just going to give up on these glasses here. I'm about to fall over and make me sick. But uh, you think about that vesture that's dipped in blood, and it's the blood of Christ. And if that's not applied to your heart, if that's not applied to your life, you, you don't have anything to stand for. You don't have a leg to stand on. You don't have a future ahead of you. You don't have eternity that you're going to be, be able to live in at any point in time uh, that's, that's worth anything. The only eternity you have, in, rather, is an eternity of damnation and hell and burning and torture. So when he, when, when he annihilates this earth, he doesn't care how you feel. He doesn't care what you have. He doesn't care what your name is. He doesn't care. Oh, well, and this is so sad that we see in churches and we see this so often of, well, my mom and dad were Christians. My grandparents were Christians. My grandfather, oh, he was the preacher down at the Baptist church down the road. That God doesn't care about that. And, and that's what we see in our nation. If we, as a, as a, as a patriot in our country, if we, we can't live on the patriotism of our grandfather, of our father, of, of our brothers and our sisters, we have to realize that if we don't take up our arms and try to fight for our country and fight for truth and fight for honesty, we're never going to have a tomorrow. We're never going to have a future. And when the world comes and takes everything we have, it's most likely because we have, have gotten lazy and said, well, well you know, the, the sacrifice of mom and dad, the sacrifice of grandma and grandpa, that was enough. Correct. It works the same way in a spiritual nature. 
you don't slide in to heaven on the coattails of some, somebody in your family that were, that were Christians. And I see that so often, and that's so sad that people think that way, that they think that this is a, it's a, it's a family matter of, on this earth. Well, my family was this, or my family was that. Hey, mine is too. But it's not my grandpa that's going to get me into heaven. It's not my mom or my dad that's getting me into heaven. It is my individual relationship with the, the Lord. And I would not want to be standing here thinking I'm going to heaven. That's the way the devil, he knows these certain people that he can get in their mind and make them think that. He knows the people that he needs to put wealth and fame in front of to, to get them convinced that, that they're okay. He knows the people that he can swell up in their own pride and make them think they're okay. He knows. We're all drawn of our own lust. He knows what he can put in front of you that's going to draw you to make you think you're okay. He knows what gets me. He knows what can pull me, pull me in. And to think that where it says in verse 7 in Isaiah 13, it says, Therefore shall all hands be faint, and every man's heart shall melt. There's a point in time when God's wrath rains down that the rich, the poor, the godly, the ungodly, this family, that family, this group, that group, this position, that position, their hearts will melt. They'll realize Come to that recognition. That's that, oh man, I've messed up. Have you ever thought about what death is like for, I mean, have you ever thought about and considered, I've heard stories of people that have died and as they go in, as they die on the deathbed, their family's there and they, they'll say, there's so-and-so or there's so, I mean, I'm like that heaven experience. Like you can tell and you can feel the peace. Maybe if they don't say anything, you can still feel the peace that they're, they're passing on into heaven. And I've been to, along the deathbed of a few people that it was wicked. It felt evil. You could just feel the sadness at that deathbed. I remember in high school, a friend of mine, his dad was passing along, and I remember how dark it felt. And I remember standing there and looking at him and feeling just this evil presence. And I realized very quickly that there are things in this, things that I don't understand, things I don't know. But when, when, I, when you feel that, when you feel peace and you feel happiness, but you also feel what that judgment looks like, it's not worth hanging on to my own understanding. It's not worth hanging on to, well, I'll get through this way or I'll get through that way or I'll survive this way. It's not worth that. We need to individually make right in our hearts because there comes a day where all hearts will melt, where all that man has accomplished will fall and we'll be, what we'll be left with. That's a great danger in our nation today is that all that's been built up could fall in just a moment. Those of us that know how to grow beans and taters, and I'm not, not a deer hunter, but I, could, I guess I could become one pretty quickly think I could probably survive on this earth for a little while as long as nobody come and outnumbered me and took my land <laughs> and that's that's what's scary is if you if you know how to do these things or you have somewhere to do them that if, if our society was to fall you're you're a target <laughs> it's concerning but I'm thankful that I know how to do those things I'm thankful that I know that I could survive but at the same time, 
you can know how to make your way through and you can know how to survive and you can know how to grow your own food and kill your own food and cut your own food and do this and do that, build or do whatever, but without God, none of that stuff matters because it's across the board. We'll all face, some point in time, we'll all face God. But those upon this earth will face his wrath and it'll be abrupt. It'll just, it'll be here and they'll, they'll it's, hold on, I've got to get things right. Have you ever heard, especially, I, I think about my the older time, old-timey preachers that I remember growing up listening to they always, always, I remember them, always mentioning, make sure you're ready for the return of Christ. We don't hear that like we used to. And the return of Christ is closer than it was than, than it was then. They always, these old, old-timey preachers I grew up listening to, they always preached on hell, preached on eternal torment. We don't know in a split second. I could walk out this door or get in my car and get hit, die. I could have a heart attack, die. You could, you could die today. We don't know what this looks like. It's abrupt when it happens. I just want to know that I'm prepared to get away from this judgment we're reading about. That the judgment that I face, unfortunately, I do stand before God and I, I do have to confess my sins, and that's appointed. But I get past that. I'll confess. I'll stand before holy God, and I'll tell him what I've done wrong and what I didn't do for him. But he'll let me in to the gates. I'll be allowed into heaven. But for those that do not believe, walking out that door and getting on that road, that... <laughs> Such he, such a way, way heavier a weight to carry. Getting a bad diagnosis, that's such a heavier weight, such a heavier burden to carry. And it happens fast. Verse number eight, it goes on and it says, And they shall be afraid. Pangs and sorrow shall take hold of them. They shall be in pain as a woman that travaileth. They shall be amazed one another, one at another. Their faces shall be as flames. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh cruel, both with wrath and with fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in his going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. And I will punish the world for their evil, and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease, and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. You know, if you think about this, think about a teenager that wants to get out of the house. Once I get out of the house, and I get out of the rule of mom and dad, and I make my own decisions and I do my own thing, I will just live it up. I will do what I want to do. I will make the decisions I want to make. I will uh, just live the way that I want to live. And I remember back one time when I was uh, mom and dad, I don't know what, the, what I did, what I did and how they reacted, but <clears throat> I got some good discipline. I know that much. And I remember thinking, you know, you just wait. When I'm older, I'll make my own decisions. I was probably 11 or 12 years old. I, I knew everything. 
And I thought, you just wait. I'll get out of this house and you won't see me. And I remember as I continued on in my life, realizing how much I had to lean on my parents and how much I regretted even thinking that. I still regret that, that that came into my mind. But you know, this world, I think that they, they know and accept. Why else is there a war on Christianity unless the world accepts and knows that it's out there and that it's true? This world hates us. This world doesn't want us in the world. They, they think if they can get rid of us and they can diminish the church, that they'll live this utopia that they're wanting, that they're looking for. You know what? There'll, there'll be a day, and my, grand, my papa Jake told me this the other day, <clears throat> I mentioned separation of church and state. And he said, you know what separation of church and state means? It's the rapture. How, <laughs> how the church is separated. There's coming a day where we will be taken out of here. And what's left, it will not be this, it'll be this utopia for just a little while. And it'll start to get tough. And how it says that they'll be afraid. Those that have no fear right now that will stand and harm people and hurt people and cuss people and throw things at people, they'll be afraid. They'll have pangs and sorrows. Pangs and sorrows should take hold of them. They will face the hurt that you and I face. When we see all that goes on in this world, that sorrow that we have in our heart, that a Christian, only a Christian heart can feel, they'll feel that and it will be beyond our comprehension. They will hurt so bad and they won't know any way out of it. The thing is, when we hurt, we know a way out of it. We know who will heal that hurt. We know that bandage. We know that, that the surgeon. We know the person that will make us feel better. They shall be in pain as a woman that travaileth. They shall be amazed one at another. Their faces shall be as flames. You know what I believe that means right there? I believe that means that all these people that are arm in arm, hand in hand, all just, oh, we're just one big happy group, there'll be chaos amongst them. I was telling Shelby this morning, there's this group, the, I don't know if you saw the group at, uh, that marched in, Stone Mountain, the NFAC or whatever they're calling themselves. <clears throat> Most disorganized group I've ever seen. But there's a group of them in Texas, and the head of it in Texas said that he feels like that they should be given the state of Texas to start their own nation. And I thought, that's smart. That's, what, that's exactly what we need. And uh, thinking about that, when this time comes, these people that are so united and they're so close together, they've united in the wrong way. They've united under the wrong banner. I might be an American. I might be a North Carolinian, but first and foremost, I'm united to people through my, my identity in Christ. That's all that matters at the end of the day. That is the key to who I am. These groups, they, they've united in the wrong way. They've united under the wrong banner. They've united under the wrong cause. And when this time of judgment comes, they will turn on one another on a dime. There will be mass chaos between these groups that, oh, we're, we're close, we're friends, we believe all the same way. And you let this chaos come. You let this affliction come. And they'll turn on one another. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land, to lay the land desolate. And he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. They'll be in chaos. They'll be in pain. They'll be in sorrow. 
but then they'll be destroyed. Remember that arsenal we were talking about, the weapons of God's indignation? They'll be used against these people. They'll face that. They'll face a, a power they can't fight. For the stars of heaven and the consolations thereof shall not give their light. Can you imagine that? What the world would look like? The sun shall be darkened in his going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. You know the last time the world looked like that? Remember Christ on the cross? The world in utter darkness? I couldn't imagine <laughs> what that looked like. But imagine even greater after years and years of opportunities for people to accept Christ. What this world will look like. And I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. I'm not boasting about the fact that I don't have to be here for this. But I'm thankful I don't have to see it. But I tell you what, I've got a lot of friends and I've got a lot of family that will. I've got people I care about that I love dearly that if we tarry and we live on this earth, if they died right now, they would go to hell. But if we tarry and they live upon this earth during these days, I'll, I won't have to face it, but they will. Isn't that a shame? And we worry about little things. I'm guilty of it. I get caught up in little things and chase after little things and try to fix little things. And we worry about those. But there's people that we know and love that will have to face what this book is speaking about. The burden of Babylon. The confusion of the world. The destruction of the world. And I think that it's, it's high time that we stand. I, I, I mentioned maybe last week. But I mentioned this and how we, I, I, I've been mad about things. I've been frustrated about things. I've had to just kind of step back a little bit and stop watching the news so much and <laughs> keeping up with everything that's going on. And as I've done that, it's began to weigh heavier and heavier on me the reality of the end. The reality of my future's secured, it's sealed, it's in the hand of God. No man can take that from me. But there's so many people that don't have that security. Christian people, godly Christian people, are the most accepting, understanding, they're a group of people. We should be a group of people that don't care about somebody's color, that don't care about somebody's where they're from, how much money they have. And I think we do. The world wants to silence that because they want whatever division they can cause because of those things. Whatever division can be brought up because of why we're different or why you're different. Whatever can be caused by that, they want to stir that up because they know that that's a tool of the future. Imagine one day on this earth without the Christian people here, without praying people here. Imagine, that's the glue that's holding things together aside from God's will and allowing the world to tarry. Praying Christian people, I think we're keeping society from 
splitting and blowing into a million pieces because we're, we're, we should be begging God to give us another day to reach other people that need to go with us to heaven. That's what God put on my heart this week. Pray it could be some help. It was helpful to me to study that and think about the reality of the return of Christ. It says in Revelation 19, verse 15, And out of his mouth goeth the sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Think about Jesus as, as ruler. Christian, if he's your ruler, you're just a part of his flock. And we know how a shepherd treats his sheep. He takes good care of them. He nurtures them. He gets down with them and holds them, takes care of them, shears them when they need it, or at least he does me. He doesn't rule his sheep with a rod of iron, rather with a shepherd's hook, just to gently draw us back in. But those he'll rule with a rod of iron, that's a different type of rulership. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. It says in verse 16, And he, he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, <clears throat> Come and gather yourself together unto the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains, and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and of them that sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. There's no exemption to that judgment, except for Christ in your heart. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. So you've brought... It's the beast, Satan, and the false prophet into it now. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, in which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast. And them that worshipped his image, these both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone for all of eternity. It's not what the, doesn't say that there, but we know that it's an eternal death. Satan and his deceivers, false prophet, and those that, have, that accept the mark of the beast, they'll be thrown, cast into an eternal damnation. It's real, people. It's real. I know we know that. But it is real as this earth we're standing in, the, the, the air we're breathing, the drive home. It's as real as the flesh that hangs off your bones right now. Let's pray that people will see it. If they don't, unfortunately, they'll face it. Let's live thankful that we've, through Christ, been given a way around that. Does anyone have anything?